You're listening to Source Daily. Join us Monday through Friday to stay up to date on what's happening in North Central Ohio. We'll be sharing a closer look at one of our top stories, along with other news, local history, memorials, answers to your questions, and more. Today, a divided Mansfield City Council chose Tuesday evening to delay a vote that would create a fourth assistant chief position in the fire department. Before we begin, we'd like to thank our friends and sponsors at Mechanics Bank. Whether you're looking for a mortgage, a home equity loan, investment services, or just a great local bank, stop by and see us. Head over to mymechanics.com to learn more and find a location that's convenient for you. Now our feature story. A divided Mansfield City Council chose Tuesday evening to delay a vote that would create a fourth assistant chief position in the fire department. The 4-2 vote came after a 40-minute-plus public discussion on the request to create a new position that would focus solely on the MFD's growing emergency medical services and the requirements related to those services. Voting to delay the decision until November 15th were 2nd Ward Councilwoman Cheryl Mayer, 3rd Ward Councilman Reverend Ella Cucci, 4th Ward Councilman Alamar Davenport, and at-large Councilman Phil Scott. 5th Ward Councilman Aurelio Diaz and at-large Councilwoman Stephanie Zader voted to push ahead with the vote on the proposal. No council member spoke against the proposal, but some expressed a desire to allow time for public feedback after MFD Chief Steve Strickling provided details during a public session. Everybody, when we, when we see a new position, we're like, well, what's that person going to do? What are they going to do for 8 hours a day, you know, or 10 hours a day, whatever they work? Well, first and foremost, they're going to manage, they're going to manage all things EMS. And that's a simple thing. I mean, that's a simple way of putting it. But what does that entail? Well, they're going to manage those protocol changes and the implementation of the protocol. They're going to manage all the EMS training and the continuing education for our personnel. They're going to liaison with a bunch of different people. And when I say liaison, I mean to go to meetings and talk to these people. They, they need to liaison with our physician medical director and talk to him on a regular basis. Um, they have to in, liaison with the trauma program cardiac program and the neurological programs. All three of those are different meetings, different times that someone with a focus on EMS, a paramedic in our department needs to make sure that they take care of and go to those meetings and represent our personnel. Because many of those programs actively involve our personnel when they get to the hospitals. They're gonna ensure that regulatory compliance with billing rules for Medicare, Medicaid, and private insurers. They're gonna coordinate preventative maintenance for the multitude of advanced medical equipment we carry and use. You all have authorized us to spend millions, say that again, millions of dollars on equipment, medical equipment, from heart monitors to cardiac thumper machines to suction machines to the drugs that we carry um, and the boxes. Fortunately, some of that's being picked up now by the hospital, some of the supplies, but the equipment itself, you guys have authorized millions of dollars we need to do preventative maintenance on that so that we know it's gonna to continue to work. So they'll coordinate that. They're gonna manage the quality assurance and quality improvement program that we've been trying to get off the ground for, for several years. They'll work intimately with the hospital personnel on that. They're gonna coordinate the training for the new hires that need EMS schooling. And they're gonna review that program and make sure that it upholds our standards for when they get out of that school, are they coming back being a paramedic that we wanna put on the streets of Mansfield. They're gonna advise the individual platoon chiefs in the areas that involve the discipline of personnel related to EMS. They're in the best position to see what's going on with EMS. And if someone needs discipline or, or action needs taken against our personnel, that person would be the advisor to do that. Another thing is 
that we have a lot of, and it increases due to call volume, citizen complaints. We don't do everything perfect. Or there's a question by citizens that call in and want to know, why why was this done this way? What, what was done? This person will feel those citizen complaints and, and move forward in investigating those, those things and figuring out what we need to do to make it better for the citizens. And lastly, they'll implement strategic goals for the service of EMS as approved by the fire chief and by the administration. And again, I think that's that's a critical component because for us to have a strategic goal is something that we've needed for some time. I've been able to do some of that from my position, but as far as the amount of calls and, and the amount of things that we're running for, for EMS, I think it needs to be one person headed down that road strategically. Strickling provided a point-by-point need for the position, saying his number one priority is providing top-notch service to city residents. He also told council the new assistant chief slot would allow for strategic planning for EMS rather than focusing on the daily tactics needed for calls. Finally, the chief then told council that the city will hit 12,000 calls for service in 2022, a one-year record. He explained that 85% of the calls are related to EMS. Reasons why, um, I know is on everybody's mind. Our call volume is now going to hit 12,000 this year for the first time, 1,000 calls a month. Um, 10,200 of those calls, or 85% of those calls, are related to EMS. Um, It is a huge portion of our business, and having one of our assistant chiefs, our platoon chiefs, work on that on a part-time basis on something that's 85% of what we do is just not working out for various reasons, some of which you heard in in the last meeting. Um, Number two, it's a a very high-risk portion of what we do in our job and by high risk i mean there's very complicated medical protocols they're not easy they're very very complicated many drugs i think our drug license contains about 80 drugs uh, that we are authorized to be able to use uh, to help people in a medical emergency so those complicated protocols the implementation of those protocols and the training and continuing education that go along with that for our paramedic personnel and our, our intermediate personnel and even our basic EMTs is very complicated. Strickling said the complicated protocols and their implementation, along with training and continuing education of personnel, creates a medical and legal aspect for the city to consider. He also pointed to federal and state compliance requirements for Medicare and Medicaid, as well as private insurance companies. The chief said the fire department, with its increased call volumes, will be close to recovering $2 million this year in rescue squad transports. Fourth Ward Councilman Alamar Davenport, who declined to participate in the executive session two weeks ago, thanked Strickling for his presentation. And Second Ward Councilwoman Cheryl Mayer said she has always supported fire department requests during her three years on city council. For more details, visit us at richlandsource.com. Next, some local history. Did you know that Charles Brandstuhl was a farmer and politician from Utica? He ran for an Ohio House of Representatives seat in 1974 and won re-election three more times. Following redistricting in 1982, Brandstuhl won an Ohio Senate seat and was elected Senate Minority Whip. In 1990, Brandstuhl was the running mate of Democratic gubernatorial nominee Tony Celebrezzi, but lost the election. He then became chairman of the Ohio Democratic Party until he was appointed Assistant Secretary of Agriculture under Bill Clinton. After a surprise run and loss for the Ohio State Senate in 1998, he retired to his home in Utica. Next, we'd like to take a moment to highlight an event that you should know about. The Chaser World Premiere is coming up on November 5th at the Mansfield Playhouse. The event begins at 1pm. 
be there for the highly anticipated world premiere of the locally shot independent television series. Tickets are $15 and you can find them by clicking the link in our show notes. See you there. Before we continue, we'd like to thank our friends and sponsors at Area Agency on Aging. Are you struggling to pay your home energy bills? You're in luck. The Home Energy Assistance Program at Area Agency on Aging can help. Stop in for an application at 2131 Park Avenue West in Ontario or visit aaa5ohio.org. Finally, we'd like to take a moment to remember the life of Iris Lee Reynolds of Loveland, Ohio. Iris grew up in Bluefield, West Virginia and loved telling stories about her childhood and life on the farm. She moved to Ohio with some friends in her 20s and has been here ever since. Iris helped open the Sears building at the Richland Mall and worked there for many years. She was also a trained beautician. She loved the Girl Scouts and was a director of a Girl Scout camp and troop leader for many years. She adored animals and treated her pets as though they were her children. They were very spoiled. Iris was an amazing mother and grandmother. She loved her family more than anything and was proud of every single thing they did. Iris is survived by her daughter and son-in-law, her grandchildren, great-grandchildren, sister, and numerous nieces and nephews. Thank you for taking a moment to celebrate and remember Iris's life. You can submit an obituary for free on Richland Source. To learn more, click the link in our show notes or visit richlandsource.com obituaries submit. Thanks for listening. Join us again tomorrow. Also, make sure to head over to richlandsource.com and click the Be a Member button to help support independent local journalism that informs and inspires. Every contribution goes to helping us make Richland County a better place and to help keep our journalism free. Also, if you like this podcast and want to hear more, make sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts.